Welcome to The Bonfire. I am your host, Morgan, a.k.a. Bond Diesel, and this is a podcast about video game news, reviews, rumors, and speculation. This week, I'll be covering PlayStation's State of Play, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, Embracer doing Embracer things, and much more. Before we get started, on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit that like button, and comment down below with questions, comments, or feedback. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review on Spotify or iTunes, or both if you want to get really crazy. A special thank you to all of the patrons and YouTube members, including Hassan, YouTubes, Neuronix, PK, Cage Nephilim, and Horseman. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and all of my other content, consider becoming a member on YouTube, a subscriber over on Twitch, joining my Patreon or Ko-Fi at the link in the description below, or buying some merch from that very same link. Gaming news, let's get into it for this week. We're going to kick it off with Xbox. Joanna Ferris, former NFL and Call of Duty executive, has been named president of Blizzard. This follows uh, the almost 2,000 layoffs, I believe, that just happened fairly recently, uh, as well as multiple executives from ABK, Activision Blizzard King, leaving uh, either voluntarily or maybe with some expectation. Um, I, I don't really have a big take on this. Um, I saw some people being like, oh, NFL Call of Duty. Uh, it's like, okay, well, maybe two of the most successful, profitable things in the United States and the world uh, in some capacity. So uh, while, yes, uh, maybe it'd be cool if we didn't have some hyper corpo uh, taking over a job like this, that's exactly who gets these jobs. So I'm not too worried about it. I don't think you should be either. Uh, we'll have to see how things shake up with all of the other uh, changes and things that have happened. It's kind of interesting, and maybe it's only in the circles I run in, even though I run in circles with a lot of uh, content creators, journalists, and game devs, but it kind of feels like everyone already forgot about those layoffs. Because, of course, there's been more, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Xbox announced, uh, and Bethesda specifically, announced a big Starfield patch that came out this week that had been previously tested on Steam as a beta program. Um, I jumped on and checked it out. This was released for Steam and Xbox, both PC and console. Um, and it, it changed a lot uh, from a quality of life standpoint, um, especially graphical stuff and especially lighting. Um, I definitely noticed a big difference in that. They did do some stuff to try to make um, the NPCs and the uh, in the towns and stuff, especially, not look so awful. They had a weird bug where, or bug, maybe it wasn't a bug, I don't know, but the level of detail. So the further away you get from stuff, it, it lowers the quality of it, just to save horsepower from the hardware you're using. And I believe since launch, they've had an issue where the NPCs walking around the cities when you're there we're supposed to have a higher level of detail when you're closer to them, but that didn't happen, which led to all of the NPCs having these like really weird looking eyes and just being low detailed uh, unexpectedly. And so um, that did look better. I mean, I I'm not going to try to make some statement now, even myself being quite a stan for uh, Starfield. I'm not going to like try to say that and now it's as good looking as like cyberpunk or something like it's it's not 
um, even though cyberpunk, maybe it does, but I'm not going to go down that argument again this time, uh, at least in some capacity. Um, but it, it's, you know, we're not looking at a naughty dog game here. Okay. Like, um, I think that's pretty well, uh, accepted at this point and, um, and that's just where we're at. So, uh, I'm still kind of waiting for them to release the creation kit. I'm still kind of waiting for them to at least talk about the, the DLC that's supposed to be coming, I think this year, but maybe I'm making that up. Um, I'm, I jump back in every now and then just to check out the updates and stuff. And I think the way I'm going to play Starfield again is to probably delete my first playthrough or start a brand new playthrough and reduce my last playthrough down to like one save or something. If I ever do want to jump back into it uh, or if I need to jump in to like end game to do the DLC or something. Um, I, I don't know if I'll be able to put 200 hours into another playthrough uh, as quickly as I did my first one where I did that in the first like two and a half weeks. Um, so I'm assuming if I do a brand new playthrough, uh, it's gonna be a lot longer before I actually finish the game. Um, but I am excited to, uh, to jump in there again. I, um, I will probably take the knowledge of the, the quest, especially the like side quest that I liked and didn't like, uh, as well as some, I think I did miss entirely. And I will probably just do all the stuff I know I like, and I'll probably just never do the other stuff or kind of like what I did with my first playthrough. I'll never do the other stuff until either new game plus playthroughs or the other way you can get to the end game. So um, I, I'm still trying uh, technically not to spoil things. So, uh, you know, please forgive me if I'm not as uh, detailed as I could be. Uh, we found out that Visions of Mana will not be coming to Game Pass. Uh, that was a, a rumor for a short time because something about like one of the landing pages on the Xbox website uh, seemed to maybe vaguely suggest that we were going to possibly be able to um, get it on Game Pass and uh, and that, that was going to be like a last minute reveal. Uh, well, at least so far, Xbox has now officially came out and said like, no, it's not going to be Game Pass. And I would say not yet. Uh, I, I think every single game has a tipping point where their sales are dropping enough and the Xbox offer is high enough and they meet in the middle and they make a deal for almost every game i i still stand by that baldur's gate 3 will be on game pass one day uh, even though larian is so um, outspoken against such services uh, i know I, I remember other baldur's gate fans who i consider myself one of them but people were like no larian has too much integrity they don't need money from people like xbox and that's when you want to like grab those people by the ears and pull them in and be like Larian is owned 30% by Tencent, almost certainly on a financing deal to where Tencent agreed to pay for a, probably a big hunk of their development, if not all of it. Larian is human, you know, the Sven is a human, uh, even though it does seem like he is, you know, pretty serious about not uh, selling out in a lot of ways, which is cool, especially with microtransactions and so on. Uh, but, you know, there, there's always a price. And uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, Visions of Mana or Baldur's Gate 3 ever finds that balance. Uh, 
Uh, there's now uh, there's rumors uh, that retailers may lo- no longer be ordering physical Xbox media. Uh, this has been a funny story this week because it's been portrayed as like Xbox is such a failure. Uh, Kotaku was the worst about it. Go figure. Uh, basically portraying it as like, uh, yeah, like Xbox is such a failure that retailers don't even want to stock their games. Uh, when the truth is that uh, right behind PC and mobile, um, Xbox is, uh, their sales are very leaning towards digital. And I believe between Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo, um, Xbox's share of digital sales is way higher than the other two platforms to the point where they probably just aren't going to do physical media much longer, at least for their first party games, which was indicated during the layoffs last week when they cut the, uh, I think all but a handful of people from their physical team. Uh, so it seems like this is probably a reaction by, uh, there must be something going through the grapevine, um, amongst all the business folks, uh, that they might as well stop ordering physical media from Xbox because, uh, th- they aren't going to be putting much more of it out. And because there's been there and there have been rumors for a while now, especially since the ABK leaks during that uh, acquisition time that, uh, the next Xbox console very well, may be all digital may have, uh, no way to insert a disc anyways, which would, complete that um idea of moving to full digital at least eventually um i'm cool with full digital i i understand the downsides of it i understand the people who don't agree and are against it totally fine not yucking your yum i think that's a very fair uh, opinion to have um but i don't have a cd drive in my pc and i haven't in many years i have never put a single disc into my series x I never put a single disc, as far as I can remember, into my Xbox One X, and I never put one. I think I put one disc in my series, uh, in my Xbox One. I believe it was Assassin's Creed uh, Origins because I got it for Christmas from a family member, uh, and I ended up buying it and playing it digitally anyways because I didn't want to mess with the disc. So, I, I've been digital since basically the beginning of the Xbox One gen. And I don't expect that to change. So for me, this means nothing. Um, For others who want to stick with physical, I get it. Um, But your days are probably numbered. Uh, The last story for Xbox here is that uh, for their quarter two numbers, uh, their gaming revenue was up 49%, uh, which is a pretty big deal. Probably mostly fueled by the fact that they now own ABK. I have to imagine that that's a lot of just existing revenue uh, from the ABK uh, properties. Uh, hardware was up 3%, probably not as much as Xbox wants, but that means that they still are having even tiny uh, increases in their hardware sales. Uh, we've had the discussion multiple times that I think Xbox wants to sell hardware. I don't think that they're obsessed with it the way that PlayStation and Nintendo are. And I think that's just a sign of the different directions the platforms are going. Uh, but then the last thing here was that uh, the, the gaming division after the ABK acquisition is now the third top revenue earner for Microsoft. So uh, that's a pretty big deal because I believe they were a fair bit lower before that acquisition. And it kind of explains why maybe they were willing to spend that much money because they're probably going to recoup it pretty fast. Moving on to PlayStation, they did have a state of play this week. Um, Kind of checking it out. The big things for me was mostly the Kojima stuff, uh, the Juno trailer uh, from the people who made um, the, of course, I'm going to forget it as I'm talking about it, the Bioshock games. 
Um, a lot of people were excited about that and like it looks fine. It just looks like Bioshock and Bioshock has always had kind of a like a janky quality in my opinion that it's it's always felt just like like the animations have always just felt a little off and even like the um the cutscenes and stuff have just never i don't know it, maybe it's just their vibe and their style that i personally don't care for but regardless if you like bioshock it seems like juno is going to be exactly the game for you it seems pretty clear that that's what it's going to be uh, for the Kojima stuff, which was the bulk of the rest of the show, at least from what, uh, in my opinion, from what I saw, uh, they showed a trailer slash some gameplay from Death Stranding 2. Uh, it was super weird and doesn't make any sense. Um, and that's about on, on on par with what Kojima does. So, okay, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> um, he also announced that they, he'll be making an exclusive game for PlayStation uh, that is going to be an espionage game where there's going to be a movie and a game that's going to like tie together again, just weird Kojima stuff. Keep in mind that, that that's basically three titles. Then we have death stranding this new IP for PlayStation. And then the third game is the IP for Xbox that he's working on with uh, Jordan Peele. I think I, I don't know. Kojima is a weird one for me. Um, I appreciate his weirdness. I loved the Metal Gear games up till five. Um, I'm still really sad that he's not going to you know, finish that game. That's a bummer. And that, that he won't be doing more Metal Gear games, even though in many ways, Death Stranding carries some of that uh, DNA. And I'm sure this espionage game and even probably the game he's making for Xbox will probably carry some of that legacy. Um, I also... He just kind of seems like he only makes games because he has to at this point and he um would just much rather be doing anything else like movies and tv and things like that uh, any other kind of media um i i almost find him to be kind of pretentious to the point of like annoyance but it's also kind of one of those things where he he still does a really good job and if he puts things out they tend to do really well so uh i'm definitely curious about what's going on with death stranding with this new game i'm really curious about this game he's doing with xbox um but i will admit that i i've, I've gotten over it a little bit <laughs> i'm definitely not as um you know I, I i could deal with a little bit less kojima sometimes but i doubt that's gonna happen another playstation news uh gran turismo sport which is uh the servers are gonna be taken offline soon did receive a final update that's going to allow offline saves that's super cool. I didn't expect that. We're seeing, uh, we just recently talked a lot about this stuff, both in my videos and podcasts. Um, this is a cool move. Uh, it's nice that this game is set up in a way where they can remove those online only features, uh, or at least allow the game to continue the function without being online and to uh, even give away for people to, you know, make progression and, and play the game relatively normally, uh, even if it's by themselves. So uh, good on Sony for that. Um, I suspect that's not going to be the case for a lot of other games that do require online connections that are much more dependent, like even to the point of gameplay on those server connections. But we'll have to wait and see how that plays out in the long run. Uh, there were rumors that a PC version of Dreams uh, was actually ready for the PS5, a next gen version and for PC, but it just never released. Um, Dreams is one of those. PlayStation's so funny. It seems like the things they do are either the most popular things in the world 
or they just fail almost completely. And dreams is one of those things where like it came out and for like three days, people were like, wow, dreams is like the coolest thing in the world. And then people forgot about it and it died on the vine. Um, it was just basically just a gimmick in a lot of ways. And that's okay. Gimmicks aren't, you know, gimmicks have a negative connotation. I'm not even saying that in a negative way, but it just, you know, it was a niche thing. It was kind of a gimmick. It was meant to be like, well, look at all this crazy stuff we can do. And people did some crazy stuff in dreams. Uh, but it, you know, just didn't have staying power and now it's gone. So, um, it's a bummer. The PC version didn't ever come out because the PC version probably would have been a pretty big deal. Um, with, with the way people were just straight up making games in that uh, game, um, the, the opening it up to PC probably would have been a pretty big deal, but it just wasn't in the cards, I guess. Uh, you know, PlayStation is warming up to the idea of, of being more PC centric, but you know, seems like they're not quite there yet. Uh, the last thing for PlayStation is the, their game Concord, uh, I believe, from one of their newer first party stu- first party studios, uh, is set to be revealed fairly soon. And basically, it's just being said to be heavily inspired by Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, it just says Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy. Uh, so th- my impression is, from what I've heard, is that it's kind of like the, the color palette and the style of the game is meant to look kind of like that, either the movie or the game um, from you know previously Square. Um, so cool either way. I'm, I'm definitely curious. Uh, and this is one of the games that's supposed to be PlayStation 5 exclusive and on PC. So... Another interesting move there. Uh, I have Nintendo on here, but as far as I could tell, they didn't have any big news this week. Uh, as for the non-platform stories, we have Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League Impressions. Uh, the Metacritic score is coming out at 63. This game's interesting. It definitely uh, <laughs> it seems to be pretty divisive. Uh, the score could be worse. Um, if you look through the Metacritic, there is plenty of scores in the sevens and even eights. Um, some people really like this game and then a lot of people don't. It's kind of interesting because the people who really don't like it seem to be like really obsessed or really stuck on the gameplay and just the way that works. But the people who really like it seem to feel like the cinematics and the story and a lot of the non gameplay stuff kind of makes up for the, for that, or they just like the gameplay. And um, I've seen shroud and a few other people playing it. And it seems like if it's your thing, it could be a lot of fun. But I I still think the overall feel is that like either, yeah, this kind of sucks or yeah, it's fine. But both of those groups agree that like, man, I really wish they would have just done another Arkham style game or did something more in their traditional wheelhouse. I I was listening to uh, Greg Miller and Blessing Adioye Jr. on Kind of Funny today or no, it was Andy Cortez talking about how like it's just not great. But then they went on this big thing of like, but what if instead of Suicide Squad, this was Batman kills the Justice League and it was in and, and the whole game was a single player game set in a similar world and a similar story. But instead of trying to be a looter shooter multiplayer game, it was just going to be a Batman game where Batman has to go and kill the Justice League uh, because they've been taken over by, uh, you know, the same people and having the same issues. And then they were all hyped about it. Right. So it's like it's one of those things where. It just seems like Rocksteady probably just kind of got made to make a a genre of game. They maybe didn't really want to, but that's what was hot when they started making it. It took forever. It cost them a ton of money. And by the time it arrived, uh, it is 
probably going to fall flat, basically, because that genre of games isn't as popular as it used to be. Uh, the Suicide Squad was definitely a weird choice because that, you know, that has such a weird attachment where, like, you know, it's had, like, one good movie, but then a bunch of bad movies, and it's just kind of a weird moment for that brand. Um, I, I really, I, I just hope that studio doesn't get punished for this. Um, I, it seems like there was a lot of love put into this game by the devs, uh, especially the cutscenes and the models and the animations are beautiful. They're really, really, they look great if you see footage of this game. Um, it's just the gameplay isn't what most people wanted from that studio and from this franchise. So that's where that is. Bioware is, uh, as a recording on the, I believe the 2nd of February, celebrating uh, 29 years uh, as a studio. Um, it, it was kind of cool. The logo they have in this um, has the uh, art from Dreadwolf and from the next Mass Effect game. Uh, so if you have any doubts or any curiosities about how serious they are about the two projects they're currently working on, I would say that's definitely a statement from them to be like, because like it could have just been the Dreadwolf, like a Dreadwolf background or something in this art, um, but they decided to put both in there. And I think, you know, maybe it's looking too much into it. It probably is, but I think that's a cool thing. Um, the future of this studio is just kind of interesting. Uh, with all these layoffs and all of this stuff happening, I feel like myself and everyone else who's a Bioware, Mass Effect, or Dragon Age fan is just kind of like every like wakes up every morning like holding on to their side rails like, okay, no bad news today, right? <laughs> like, come on, Dreadwolf, do really good, please. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I believe uh, you know in June they're going to announce more about Dreadwolf, their next Dragon Age game. I'm expecting them to announce a release date towards the end of 2024. Uh, and then they also have the next Mass Effect game, which you know, we still really technically probably have more teased about that game than even Dreadwolf, which is weird because the next Mass Effect game is like three to six years away and hasn't even begun production yet. So I don't really, that's like a hard one to, to deal with, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm confident. I, I think that Bioware is kind of too big to fail, or at least like just for brand recognition for EA. It would be really hard for them to shut down that studio. But man, <laughs> it's just I, I, I'm going to hope for the best um, to give some uh, excitement. I just put out a video on Friday about the kind of some hiring updates with Mass Effect. I went through all of the hirings I know that they've done for the game. And then even a more recent one that looks like it's probably for Mass Effect, even though it doesn't say that in particular. But um, I, I'm curious to uh, what comes of that uh, for any Mass Effect fans. I've made pretty clear that. I wouldn't expect much info this year. I'm thinking they'll do it in seven day. They'll probably do something kind of big for it again. There may be some leaks or some rumors will shoot around through the year. I think that's definitely possible, but anything official is probably going to be very Dreadwolf focused this year because they need to, they need to focus on that because they really need Dragon Age to do pretty well. Uh, and I'm not even saying pretty well in the sense of like, it has to sell 20 million copies. I don't know what they needed to sell, but they probably need Dreadwolf to at least break even budget-wise, which is going to be hard. Game's been in development for a really, really long time. It seems like it's a huge project with probably three or four, maybe 500 developers working on it. Um, 
It doesn't come cheap. And I'm curious to what the expectations are from EA and Bioware on that game. And then I'm curious to see how it's going to meet or not meet those. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the Division 2 is teasing its Year 5 Season 3 coming up soon. They are doing a uh, one of their big developer updates uh, this coming Monday, which is the 5th of February, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, I'm expecting them to talk about the next big patch, which I'm expecting on Tuesday on the 6th. Uh, when you're listening to this next week, you can uh, you know, let me know whether or not my prediction was correct. Uh, but that's my guess, which is going to kick off a new manhunt and season of content that's going to be focused in New York City uh, that is supposed to be focused on the first games uh, and even the, the, the second game's DLC, the antagonist um, uh, Aaron Keener, and that we're supposed to be, you know, who is... A, we think dead in this storyline, uh, but the, I guess the whole idea is that we're going to be going back to New York to find out a bunch of stuff that we didn't know when that DLC went down. So I'm curious about that. It does come with the stink of knowing that the season four, I think, has been effectively um, canceled and the DLC that was supposed to come in for that is supposed to be the Brooklyn map uh, has been pushed back to year six and isn't expected until the beginning of next year, 2025. Uh, they they decided to do a, a focus on the health of the game here at the beginning of 2024. And for whatever reason, you know, them delaying things a couple months meant that they had to push back the DLC a whole year. I don't know. I've got opinions, but we'll get into those another time. Uh, to wrap up the, the, the this podcast, we have a couple kind of rough stories. Uh, Embracer is, is embracering once again. They've laid off almost 100 uh, developers from Eidos Montreal and canceled the next game they were working on, which was supposed to be a new Deus Ex game. So people are pissed, and they should be, um, because Embracer sucks. Like Embracer is is the worst. They are the worst publisher. Um, yeah, people can complain about Xbox consolidating, uh, you know, the the industry. You know, even PlayStation doing it to a point. Um, you know, Tencent, you know, all these companies that are doing this and yeah, all of them, it's not, it's not probably the best case scenario, but at least like, and even Xbox with its layoffs and stuff, like at least they are producing things. At least things are coming from that. Like Embracer group. I, I don't, I can't name you a single game that one of their studios has put out in the last four or five years. I can't name you anything. And they have an insane number of these huge AAA studios with huge IP under them and in their ownership. And I can't think of anything, literally nothing, not a single thing. All I can think about is games that came out before acquisition from the studios they own. I can't think of anything Embracer Group has released and they own a hilarious number of studios and a hilarious amount of really good IP. I just, I don't get it. Like obviously they bit off more than they could chew and obviously they got in way over their heads, but it's just like, they're like, I don't know what they expected because they bought all these studios and they bought all this IP and then they just haven't released anything. Like nothing has come out. Surely these studios were already working on stuff when they got acquired. Like at least let them get that stuff out before you start doing what you want. Because obviously that didn't work because they haven't put out anything. It's just, it's really frustrating. Um, it's just like everyone can see where this is going. Like Embracer is going to fall apart. 
uh, and they're either going to dissolve or sell off all these studios and you're going to have studios like Eidos Montreal um, who is is like an amazing developer and like has an amazing team or at least did at one point and nothing will come of it nothing will come of Embracer ownership they released the Guardians of the Galaxy game under Square Enix they got sold to Embracer and then started working on this Deus Ex game and that got cancelled and now that their studio is probably done just such a waste it's so frustrating so f you embracer group <laughs> just as much as i've been relaxed about consolidation and stuff like when xbox is buying studios and all this stuff like yeah i get why people don't like it i don't think it's the worst thing in the world especially the abk deal but i understand the concerns and the concerns is embracer group the concerns is them and how completely inept they are at doing anything so Last story, fantastic. The makers of the day before will just not go away. And I could just stop talking about them. But every time more comes out about these idiots, it just makes it so much. It just. <sighs> so basically, there's a big report that came out uh, speaking to former employees of fantastic that worked on the day before. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that was revealed. But the highlights of it that I noticed were that they would find employees if they made mistakes in the development of the game. I believe the example was that something went wrong with a VO capture and they tried to charge the employees like $2,000 or something for wasting like the st sound studio time and stuff like that. Uh, apparently every, so the original vision of the game was actually fairly small, um, but then every time a new game came out as recently as Baldur's Gate 3, the owners of the, the studio just kept you know get basically getting scope creep where they just kept adding stuff to the game and to the that was just way beyond the team they had uh even if the original small vision wasn't so it just you know that's a pretty classic story unfortunately uh and then just wide wide reports of just being overworked and without paid and without being paid overtime so uh basically just you know the thing I still believe is that fantastic. The developing the development studio is just those two brothers and that they exclusively used their volunteers. They called them uh, contract workers is what it sounds like. They actually were uh, and actual volunteers to make that game. And like, yeah, of course it failed. Of course it was a complete hot mess and didn't fulfill anything. They said it was going to, and it was only <laughs> how long was it? Uh, it was like four days or something. It was on Steam before they uh, ended it, right? We will stop talking about them eventually. But unfortunately, the rumor in this in this article and report was that they've started a new studio quietly and are developing mobile games through that. So yeah, I suspect it's going to be the story that keeps on giving. That's all the new stories I have for this week. Uh, any listener questions, or as I like to call it now, the Master Prime 901 part of the show. This is where I answer questions that people propose uh, on Twitter, in the YouTube comments, in the Discord, wherever. Um, if you have your own questions, be sure to ask in the Discord and the YouTube comments, or hit me up on Twitter at Bondiesel or at The Bonfire. You can also check out a Google form that I post every week. Uh, Master Prime had three questions this week. Do you think this year's in seven day will be different? Um, yeah, I suspect it's going to be pretty low key, um, which is funny because the lowest key one was 2021 probably. And that was, I actually still appreciated that one more than 2023, which technically had a lot of stuff because it had a trailer and stuff like that, uh, or even 2022, 
which was, you know, just like a little audio clip basically over some new art and a bunch of concept art. Um, I kind of hope it is because I actually kind of didn't like 23 because it kind of introduced more stuff, but didn't give us any more info really. So, uh, yes, I think it will be quite different. The second question is what is your, what is your favorite set piece in a game? That's kind of hard to just think of off the top of my head, even when I've been thinking a little bit about it. The one in most recent memory is a boss fight in like the, at the end of like about one third of the way through Jedi survivor, there's a fight with a giant thing that has some of the most just satisfying um, mechanics in it. And the visuals are so good and just, Oh, you feel so good doing it. Uh, I don't want to, it's still a newer game and this would be a big spoiler, but basically the, I think the first big boss fight you have in survivor Jedi survivor um, from respawn is probably my favorite set piece I can ever think of. I remember playing it and saying out loud, this is the most amazing thing I've ever played in a video game. So if you ever wonder why I hold that, that was my, I think number three game in 2023, uh, despite all the other crazy good games that came out that year, that boss fight was a big part of it. And then the final question, do you think Aaron Keener will come back in the division two or the division three? I don't, I think this next season that they're going to put out, we're going to be hearing a bunch of voice comms from Keener and we're going to be finding out a bunch about him and his legacy. Um, before he dies in the warlords of New York storyline, he says something along the lines of like, you have no idea what you've unleashed or something. Everyone kind of took that for like some of the rogues that we've been fighting and stuff. Um, but others have thought that maybe he was alluding to something else entirely. Um, I suspect that we're going to find out that Keener felt like he was kind of uh, the vanguard between the Black Tusk and them kind of ruling the country, uh, not feeling like the division was up to the task or him feeling like the division was uh, compromised, which with all the recent story revelations, maybe that's true. So we'll have to wait and see. So no, I think Keener's very dead, but I think his legacy will uh, continue throughout the games for quite a while, maybe even into the third game. Thank you so much for your question. And for anyone else listening, uh, please, please, please uh, consider uh, interacting with the show in some capacity, even if it's just feedback. I'm happy to get anything from y'all. And that's where I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And please consider participating in the next show by submitting a question in, uh, or comment in the Discord or the show's Google form. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including over on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, to see my other content or find ways to support everything I do, please check out the links in the description of the show. There is a Linktree link there with everything I do. That's all I have for this one. So until next time.